Dior Talks. This year, for the fifth edition of Dior Lady Art, ten contemporary artists were invited to put their creative stamp on the Lady Dior bag. Listen as each of these artists shares their personal experience of transforming the Lady Dior in the latest edition of the Dior Talks podcast series, available on all platforms. Reinventing tradition and questioning modernity is a creative signature for our latest guest, the multidisciplinary Swiss artist Maitu Perret. Perret studied English literature at the University of Cambridge and worked for several artists, including the late New York-based painter Stephen Perino, before attending the independent study program at the Whitney Museum of American Art. She credits her experience working as a curator and art critic with influencing her process and her interest in narrative. Today, the artist blurs the boundaries between disciplines and cites inspirational sources ranging from historical avant-garde movements such as Bauhaus, constructivism and English arts and crafts to literary modernism, spiritual practices and notions of community and utopia as seen through a feminist prism. For her reinterpretations of the Lady Dior, Perret applied Venetian enamel jewelry-making techniques and textured the body of the bag with handcraft-intensive long-pile tapestry and precious glass bead embroidery in geometric motifs enhanced with colourful touches. Behind those patterns, one glimpses the influence of the German thinker Friedrich Froebel, whose pictograms were used in kindergarten classrooms in the 19th century. They also question the fashion lexicon and the symbolism of the logo. Tune in to hear all about Perry's exploration of the chameleon-like Lady Dior and the playful, unexpected side she discovered in the classic ladylike icon. So my two, with literature, performances, choreography, puppet theatre, ceramics, wickerwork, tapestry, your artistic spectrum is so vast. How would you describe it? Can you tell us a bit about your background? I studied literature and quite quickly after university, I decided that uh, I wanted to make art. And I started painting first. And then I guess all the other mediums sort of accrued over time. I guess it was always project related. Okay. Um, what would you say are some of your main sources of inspiration? Modernist art, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, design. Yeah, I would say. It can be so many different things. Literature as well and, you know, history and so on. Okay. And there's a strong feminist side to your work, creating dialogues with other female artists like Marina Abramovich or Nikita Sanfal, um, which totally aligns with uh, Dior's feminist manifesto under Maria Grazia Curie. Um, how has being approached for the Dior Lady Art project? What, what was that like for you, getting the call to work on this project? I mean, I was quite surprised. I didn't expect, uh, didn't expect this at all. Um, and I was, uh, yeah, mostly surprise and uh, amusement, I guess. It's not something I've done before and not really something I'd thought of doing before, although I do like fashion and I've collaborated with people who work in fashion, but in really different ways, more like in, more in the sense of involving people who are designer to uh, intervene in my own work. 
commissioning clothes from designers, things like this. And how do you see the relationship between fashion and art? Uh, Dior is one house that does many collaborations with, with artists. It's something that is rooted in, in the heritage of the house. I think fashion is quite an inspiration for me in, in, on many different levels. I mean, historical fashion. I've done lots of things, I guess, inspired by fashions of the past. And so, I mean, as to the relationship today in terms of, do you mean in terms of the sort of more commercial aspects of the collaboration or? And I guess what art brings to the fashion world is a, is a creativity that is not rooted in a very specific production process. Uh, and that is not part of an industrial system, I guess. I think it's interesting for when you work in a system that is very codified and very structured to um, get input from people who are not working within that system. I mean, it, it goes the other way around. I think it's interesting for artists to work with people who are not from the art world and who have a very different perspective. Yeah, totally. And tell us a bit about um, your adventure with Dior. If I remember, I sent some drawings and some ideas uh, based on, on the tapestries and rugs I'd done before. Uh, and then when they came, we looked at specific uh, samples and pieces that I'd made before, and we decided to, uh, to use similar materials. But I was always really impressed with the, uh, the sheer amount of examples and tests and you know, tryouts that the, uh, that the designers were ready to do for this project. I thought that was really, uh, I mean, it's, it's a real luxury to be able to try lots of different things before making a choice. Absolutely. You tend to favour raw and handcrafted materials. So tell us about the materials that you ended up using in your bags. So the, the medium size one is a kind of a tapestry, a rug-like material. It's a bit like a shaggy carpet, I guess. And actually, I've never really made carpets that look this way, but I've done lots of tapestries uh, and I've worked with carpet producers mm. before. I mean, I'm interested in textile production and in, in weaving in, in general. Yes. So this is the, this, the medium one and it has this sort of slightly hippie feel to it, the shagginess of the material. And then the, um, the, the small bags are made with embroidered glass pearls. So they're much more like precious objects, I guess. And this came, the idea to use glass pearls and embroidery came, I knew of course that Dior would have a really high level of uh, skill when it came to embroidery. I think I showed the team some um, examples of 1920s, how would you call them? They're like little, in French you would say bourse, they're like little little bags that close with a tie. Uh, they were all hand embroidered in glass um, by the Swiss artist Sophie Tauber, who was a, a sort of modernist pioneer. And I've al I'd always loved those little bags that she made. She made little bags and little embroidered chains as well that were covered in. She made these necklaces that were basically like a rope covered with little embroidered with little pearls in abstract motifs. I used um, those, I guess, with the uh, really the inspiration for picking the glass pearls. And then. Um, on top of that, there are charms, which are made in brass, enameled brass, but the, uh, which are meant to yeah. um, imitate glaze ceramic, which is a material I, I use a lot. It sounds like there's a, a real variety of materials going on on the bags. And you're also fond of showcasing the excellence of savoir-faire behind the creation of the object, developing all of these techniques. And did you find inspirations for your own work? during this experience? Probably, yes, but it's always hard to say before uh, before things come out. I did love the brass and the sort of, uh, yeah, the sort of more like jewelry-like material. 
And I would love to be able to do this again, for example. You even created this uh, new alphabet. Can you tell us about the words or sentences written on the bags? Yeah, so actually I didn't really create it. What I did is I, I borrowed these signs from a, from a book I have on the kindergarten. It's a book I have on, I guess, techniques for teaching children in the 19th century. And they have lots of toys and objects and kind of didactic exercises for kids, including uh, these really beautiful exercises, like sheets of exercises to teach children how to draw. And instead of making children repeat letters, they made them repeat these very odd, very beautiful graphic signs that are completely abstract. And I always loved these things. I always thought they were really incredible because it looks like language, but you don't know which language. You don't know if it's ideograms or if it's signs or symbols. And of course, it doesn't really have a signification. So this is what I used these signs uh, and kind of redrew them and reworked them in order to make the motif on the bag. Where does your fascination with imaginary languages come from? Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just fascinating to imagine first languages that you can't read. That's already a very fascinating thing to me. I mean, just go to Japan and there's all these characters and, you know, you can't even know what any of the characters are saying. I think it's quite magical. There's this promise of, of knowing something that you can't quite grasp. I like graphic alphabets. Um, I've, I've always been interested in that. And do you think there's a link between that and the charms that you were talking about on the bag? I mean, fashion has its own logos and monograms that act like totems or codes. Was there any reflection on on the codes? Yeah, I guess I didn't really realize until after making it, but there is something a bit counterintuitive in making a fashion product with illegible text. And so that in itself can be a, a gesture within the system, I guess, in the sense that, um, for example, uh, if you have a label that is blank, it can be a very strong marketing tool, even though there is no name written on it, because uh, by inversion of all the other labels that have names, to have no name can become a very powerful name. I mean, I remember being fascinated by uh, Margiela labels when I was a teenager. It's a very strong gesture in terms of communication. And... um, I mean, I did want to, in terms of the charms on the Dior bag uh, or Dior letters, I wanted to reappropriate in a way that those letters and make them mine in a way. I wanted to sort of play with from the beginning because I think charms are very, uh, very powerful, those little objects. So I thought it was interesting to take the real letters of the, of the brand name, but uh, rework them and give them this quite different character. And very handmade as well. They, they really look like little bones or things that have been touched. I think the little charms have a very, uh, like you said, totemic quality. They really feel like the imprint of a hand. What I like most about the bags is that, that they have a very tactile quality. I mean, they feel, they feel very nice to look at somehow. You want to touch them. Uh, and each of the materials is quite precious but not just in a luxury kind of way, not just in a, oh, this looks expensive type of way, but in a very tactile way. What were some of your influences growing up with you being so passionate about all these incredible crafts? I mean, as a teenager, my, my influences were a lot of music and literature, I think. I like New Wave and Joy Division and things like this. I think this was my... Uh, this sort of aesthetic was something I was really into. When I was growing up, I think I was looking more at literature than at uh, art, per se. Are there any writers that 
had a big influence on you that you can mention? Yeah, so many. I mean, the one like Pessoa or Virginia Woolf, those were things, I mean, things I still think are great. I mean, I still love. Going back to your interest in language, do you consider dressing to be some sort of a language? I think sometimes when you get up in the morning and you get dressed, you don't want it to be a language. You'd rather it be neutral and not have to signify anything. But in the end, of course, when you get dressed, you're putting out a message. I mean, people see you. It's part of an interpretation of what a person is, their um, their clothes. Yeah, I think I've always thought of dressing up as a kind of a, a performance, even if it's a performance to disappear. If you're going for a very uniform type look, for example. And you said you were quite surprised to get the call from Dior. What does the House of Dior symbolise for you? I mean, a very classic French aesthetic, I guess, at, at least uh, the history of it. I mean, I really like all the, um, also the history of Dior with artists and Dior's work as a gallerist, etc. I think is really interesting. This relationship to surrealism, you know, the, basically the 50s. I think that's, uh, that's quite fascinating. It is fascinating. And the utopias of our civilization and the notion of community are also themes in your work, notably through the prism of feminism. Uh, how's that explored here? And do you think the fashion system has its own community with its own codes? Yeah, I think there's definitely fashion codes or tribes. Maybe less now than earlier, just because I think subcultures are much more diluted today than they were uh, in the 80s and 90s, for example. Uh, I think if I reflect back on when I was a, uh, a teenager or a college student, fashion there were major uh, group affiliations that were signified by what you were wearing. I'm not sure it's so much the case now. I think because now uh, people are having much more collaged or aesthetic. I think it's also because of the internet everything being available at all times. Yeah. What is the art scene like in Geneva? Tell me a bit about where your studio is based. Uh, my studio is based in a rather nondescript uh, zone that's in between an industrial zone and a residential neighborhood, I guess. It's very quiet, but it's close to the new art school. So it will be very, uh, I guess, much more lively soon. At the moment, it's very, very quiet. Can you describe some of the pieces that you're surrounded by in your studio? At the moment, there is, there's never really much finished art in here. So right around me, there is a Indian tantric painting from, I actually don't know when it's from. It's an abstract in painting from India that I love and it's on, on the wall. I have lots of bits and pieces of ceramic and samples and sort of clay, like glaze tests and so on. Um, some knitting, I mean, sewing stuff, because I'm, I'm trying to fix some fabric masks. So, you know, there's also some very practical little things around. And then my kiln and quite a few uh, paintings, small paintings. So going back again to your childhood inspirations, I'm really curious to, to know where this comes from. Um, you've mentioned music, but the fact that you've got a kiln and you're developing all these incredible materials, um, you didn't have any grandparents who were artists or anything in the family that inspired you? I didn't really have, I guess, uh, craftspeople who are artists in my family. It was more, again, writers. I spent a lot of time with horses when I was a child. Um, so I would say it's very rich in terms of textures and materials, lots of leather and beautiful things, actually. 
but not really any uh, any craftspeople in my family. I think I really came upon that later, after at college and after college, through friends and other artists, and, you know, people's studios and so on. Are you working on any projects at the moment? What are you making at the moment? At the moment, I'm working on a neon a project for a quite large neon sign. So it's mostly this has been mostly drawing on the computer, based on the work of a Swiss um, artist called Emma Kunz, who was a healer and kind of a spiritualist artist who produces really fantastic abstract works uh, using a pendulum. They're really gorgeous and strange. Uh, so I've been looking at her work and, and for an exhibition on her work, making a really large neon sign. That's the newest, uh, that's the thing I'm working on at the moment. And then uh, I have some uh, whole series of new ceramics that I'm working on or finishing. And in your own work, you love for objects to have a second layer of meaning. How did you play on this concept of double messages with your Lady Dior's? I guess with the signs, with these uh, alphabet. This is a kind of a double, I don't know if it's a double meaning or just a promise meaning, you know, that always remains mysterious. Have you seen the finished bags? Uh, Unfortunately not. I mean, I've seen the prototypes, but there were still tweaks on the prototypes that we were due to make for the finished product. And I still haven't seen them. I'm very eager to see them. I'm sure you are. What what were some of the main challenges with these bags? I mean, strangely enough, it was mostly with the medium bag. It was things to do with the, like a graphic design issue of uh, how much spacing in between the signs and how, how much margin, how distributed the signs are on the image somehow and um, getting just the right color of beige. So, you know, not to have it look like a really white and clean, but at the same time, not to have it look too brown and hippie-ish. It's like that, getting just that right cream. Were you conscious of the fragility of certain materials when you were thinking about what to use on these bags? Yeah, I know. One discussion we had is at some point I did ask if we could make the parts that are brass ceramic. And, um, and you know, there was this exchange where we decided that it didn't make any sense to make something so fragile because, you know, it would be heartbreak if it was always broken. I mean, imagine that the, the, the medium bag is not going to be that fragile. It will be a very wearable thing. I mean, the, the very small ones, they are, they are quite precious. How did you find working with the Dior team? How did you find learning about all the different techniques that we're going to be using on the bags? Was it a very fluid process? Yeah, I think the communication was quite simple. I seemed to be able to communicate what I wanted or what I was looking for. And they seem to be able to respond to my queries in a really efficient way. So that was very nice because it's a translation process in the end. Yeah, it's a translation process. And were you quite impressed by how free the project was considering this is a major luxury house and you're tinkering with their codes? Were you quite surprised by how free this experience was? Uh, Yeah, but I didn't expect them to be... uh, making demands on how they wanted the product to look like because I felt like that had been the case. It would probably be very counterproductive. I mean, what is the point of inviting an artist if you do your own thing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there was a sort of a hands-off uh, approach from 
the creative side from Dior that I that I thought was very nice. I mean, there was there's definitely a lot of trust in the way that this uh, process functioned. As in, it really felt like uh, once they decided to realize a project, they were just trying to get there. Which part of the process did you enjoy the most? Getting the first uh, prototypes was what I enjoyed the most. I mean, I enjoy seeing seeing all the samples, all the you know first technical images, sort of f- first technical possibilities. But um, but yeah, I think what was really exciting was to see it come together as like one object, because it's not very clear. You get all these little bits and pieces, and it's uh, it's really nice when it comes together and it's one three D thing that you can uh, touch. Did you feel like you got to know the lady Dior quite intimately? Yeah, I feel I feel like I know it much better now than I did before. That's for sure. It's revealed itself to be more fun than I expected it to be. The this bag, which is very ladylike, maybe for me it was a bit grand. I um, I appreciated how uh, playful it it could turn out to be in the end. So you wanted to kind of break the ladylike side a bit. Yeah, I guess. I I mean, it's not even that I wanted to break it, but it's just not what necessarily what appealed to me. I wanted to make it more uh, more free, maybe. Could you see yourself wearing your Lady Dior? Uh, yeah. I think I would have been very unhappy to make a product that I wouldn't want to wear. I love fashion. I think it's something that's always been very interesting to me. I've, I've worked, like I said, with friends who are designers. I've even worked a little bit for a designer when I was a, um, after college and so on. So I... Um, uh, it's something I it's something I appreciate. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I hope you get to to see the actual bag sometime soon. So do I. I'm sure I will. I mean, at some point they'll be they'll be here. I guess. 